here we go. And we have got a new guest, Courtney, today. Yes. We have John Washburn with us today. John is the principal of Myrtle Beach High School in South Carolina. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing in Myrtle Beach? Sure. Um, we have uh, Myrtle Beach High School is a, is a comprehensive high school. Uh, we have right at 1,500 students right now. Uh, and we have a we have a very diverse population, which is really great. We we actually we celebrate that. We have 22 different nationalities and 18 distinct languages that yeah. are spoken in our building. Uh, so as you can imagine, we have a high EL population. Yeah. Um, we have a very broad socioeconomic uh, group within our within our school. So we have we have lots of different issues that we deal with on a on a day to day basis. Our teachers do a great job. So um, personalized learning has become a real real uh, benefit for us in terms of how we are going to work with our students, how we're going to try to provide them the content and provide it in a way that they can access that content quickly um, because of course as a high school we're focusing on our four-year high our graduation rate, four-year graduation rate. Uh, we also focus on making sure that we're getting our kids college and career ready within that period of time as well. So we have to find those tools that are going to maximize what's going on in our classroom to give our kids as much as we possibly can. We, um, our district has been a one-to-one -one district now for four years. Uh, actually, we're moving into our fifth year. Um, our, our high school students use, uh, has a one-to-one -one device, they use a Dell Venue, which is a two-in-one device, which we, we thought was a, a good option for our kids. It gave them the keyboard, gave them external storage, and also gave them the tactile use nice. of a touchscreen. Nice. Um, the, uh, now it has its own issues, but it's been a, it's been a good program. Uh, along with that, we initiated, uh, we have a partnership with Education Elements, which we've been working with them for a number of years, on, uh, we're starting to change our terminology. We initially called it a blended learning process and but it's really a it's really a personalized rotation uh, stations based uh, approach okay. uh, so we've been working on that we started off initially uh, focusing on the digital content aspects of it uh, they were we were very um, very um, systematic in how we brought which pieces of digital content we brought in for our teachers for our English teachers they were actually they couldn't decide we use no red ink and achieve 3000 because they have different functions for the kids one's a grammar based program the other one is much more about reading fluency and increasing Lexile scores so our English teachers have access to both of those programs our math students use Alex which is a great program yep. uh, not only does it provide additional enrichments for those students but it can also provide that gap filler component as well for students that might be lagging behind um, others have been, uh, granted there's not a real, um, our science teachers tend to use Gizmo uh, and uh, Discovery Ed. Our social studies teachers use a lot of Discovery Ed, History mm -hmm. Channel, things of that nature. Nothing, nothing quite as concrete yet for those folks. They do a really good job, however, of going out and finding their own digital content and taking advantage of that. Uh, one of my uh, economics teachers went out and found some really great digital tools to use with his economics classes and that's kind of, so it's worked out really well. So we've been focusing on those things, um, how we maximize those things, and now we've moved into the part where our teachers are being challenged, how can you take that rotational model? How can you, you're providing the small group differentiation in one group, other students are working on digital content, other students may be working in a collaborative project-based um, atmosphere. How do you make sure you're maximizing all of those? And one of the ways that we do that is through the personalized learning, through the digital content. Um, as we've gone through each year, we focused, like three years ago, we focused, what, is, what does that small group differentiation look like? How do you take that information? How do you use that to, to 
create a lesson that is personalized for those students in front of you. That's where the digital content came in great. Um, the, the pieces of digital content we have have great uh, uh, reports that our teachers can take advantage of, heat maps, right. uh, charts that they can take advantage of in a very formative way. Uh, I tell my teachers all the time, your groups that you establish on Monday should look different on Wednesday. Uh, so, if, in other words, if you're really looking at it from a, perform, uh, from a formative perspective, you should have those differences very quickly. Um, we're also very fortunate in that we also, within our school, we have a school within a school, uh, project-based learning, we are partnered with New Tech Network. So we have Seahawk New Tech. Um, and over the last couple of years, watching the combination of, of true project problem-based learning and a personalized um, um, blended learning rotational system is phenomenal. Our new tech kids have outperformed our non-new tech students consistently for the last four years um, up on our state tests, on our EOC testing, and, and, and even on nationalized testing, uh, considerably higher than the others, along with the agency piece, the communication piece, the soft skills right. that go along with it. So it's been, a, it's been a real, it's been a great journey so far. It sounds incredible. Yeah. So how does, I bet Matt has the same question as does every other <laughs> secondary educator listening, how um, has your, um, how does a typical day for a student, how is that similar or different to what you might find in a traditional school? Well, we, we are a traditional school. Yeah. Um, however, what we're, what we're, I think the easiest way for me to describe that would be what you would see as you go into an individual classroom, and it may be based on content. Right. Um, what you'll see going into one of our English teachers' classrooms uh, in say an English three or an English four where they're already doing like literary analysis, whether right. it be British lit or American lit, you may see the teacher with, with three or four kids at the front of the room having a very in, intensive character analysis discussion. Right. Um, and then right over in another corner of a traditional box classroom, you may see kids working collaboratively on, uh, I'll use an example I just saw just recently, they were doing a, a body graphic. They had, uh -huh. they had drawn the character as, as, a, as a body silhouette on this thing and then they were pulling out the character traits of the character and labeling it to different parts of the body. So they're working on the collaborative piece and then you had other kids over here that were taking a small formative assessment mm -hmm. either in no red ink or achieve uh, along those lines. So what I think you're seeing is more of, it is a traditional classroom but approaching the students where they are yeah. and trying to make sure that every student has equity of access to the information right. and to the teacher. Right. Um, I think it gives our teachers a lot more flexibility. Um, one of my teachers uh, does a great job of creating uh, almost like a flipped classroom concept in that creates videos at different levels. Students can watch those videos that have been pre-assigned through either Google right. uh, collaboration or something else. And they don't know, they're, they're, it's the same content, it's just leveled differently for those students which I think is a tremendous thing because every kid then feels valued, they feel like they're being successful at wherever they are. And the teacher is able to present the content and stay on pace, stay on track with where they're going, and then still also be able to pull those kids in and say, okay, how can I help you on this piece? How can I, how can I explain this better for you? Or, or what did you get out of that? Which has also elevated the level of critical thinking skills. Mm -hmm. Kids are starting to ask more critical questions. They're starting to think at a higher level which, which then spurs the collaboration and the creativity aspects of it. So uh, I think 
and that's been a real challenge for me personally. We're yeah. in a we're in a building that's thirty years old. Uh huh. So how do I take a traditionally designed building yeah. and open it up and make it more collaborative? I mean, we're even talking now. I'm challenging my teachers. We bought we bought chairs and tables just like what we're sitting at right here and put them in our cla- in our cafeteria. Right. Our cafeteria is our largest space in the building, right. single space, and it's unused three fourths of the time. But now teachers will go down. They'll take because the, you can move the tables around, you can move the chairs around. They'll go down and they'll use it as a collaboration space. They'll awesome. use it as a space where you can spread out and do different things, which I think is wonderful. Yeah. Um, our new tech kids, at any given time, I'll walk up there and and they're all out in the hallway. I mean, right. just completely taking over the hall, which I love. I think it's great. And they're all talking. You know they're engaged because they're talking about the content. They're yes. talking with each other about what they're discovering or what they're seeing. So to me, I think that's what it is. It's it looks. It looks the same, uh, but I also tell people when they come in to see our classrooms, I said, you have to be ready for a different notion. Right. It's not quiet. It's not staring at the back of the head and the kid in front of you. It's, it's interactive. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's noisy. It's, it's a little bit chaotic. I tell all my teachers, it's controlled chaos. Yes. I was, before I became an administrator, I was a band director. So I'm used to having 120 kids sitting in one room <laughs> with noisemakers in their hands. Right. And I said, so be noisy. You know, if that's learning, then be noisy. Um, and there's, you know, everybody has to get used to that because it is, it is dramatically different. Yes. I mean, if you're used to being in an Algebra One classroom where it was that old-fashioned sage on the stage, I'm going to stand up front, you take notes, I'll wipe it off the board and do it again tomorrow, that is a dramatic, that is a dramatic shift. Uh, so it's something that we have to work and we do we work on it all the time fantastic so what do you see as one of the like what's the next what's the next step the next iteration the next big project for Um, interestingly enough I was just having this conversation with someone I think and and one of the things that's being reinforced here at Inacol is the idea of moving more towards competency based Mm -hmm. learning moving more towards okay where where are the kids how can we in my, in my mind, too, if I can demonstrate mastery, then I should have a bit more control over the pace, over the place, over the time that it takes me to, to work in a certain course. Um, but I think as we, as we learn more, for, for me, my next step is to start looking more into competency-based, making sure that our practices are going to fall in line, because I, I genuinely, genuinely think that's the next step that our district and my school is going to start looking into. Wonderful. Have fun on that journey. Yeah. That's, yeah. That is a journey. I think so. It's an important, they're all, no matter where you start with any of this, it's a journey and it's right. all important. Right, right. absolutely. Fantastic. So uh, before we leave, what would you share as the biggest do-do for personalized learning? Um, what I would say, and this is actually something I'm going to have an opportunity to talk about again later, um, is the approach that you take. From an administrative standpoint, uh, when I was hit with, okay, we're going to do this, and this is what you have to start doing, uh, we were given some options. Some of my colleagues said, everyone will do it this way, three days a week, blah, 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 number of minutes. Right. Um, I took a very organic approach to it. I told my teachers, I said, we're going to do this. This is, we're going to give you all the necessary supports that you need for this, but do, do this where it makes sense. Do this where it feels right for the context and the content of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, some days you just have to sit and take notes. Right. That's reality. Right. However, once you've sat and taken the notes, 
then what can you do with it? Where can you go from there? How can you, how can you change up what's going on in your lesson and in your thinking and in your skill sets so that you make that more real world, so that you make it more relevant to the students, which inevitably is gonna make it more meaningful and more engaging for, for everyone involved. So I think that's the biggest thing. If you come up with a plan, once you have that plan, you have to give your teachers enough supports to say to them also, and one thing that we were very, very uh, much working on, and I've said this several times to my teachers, I don't want to hear about the lesson that went well. I want to hear about the lesson that bombed because I want to know, okay, it, it flopped. Now what? what? What did you get out of it? Where do you want to go with it next? And so we've had some really great discussions about these awful lessons, which has been absolutely, you know, but you go back and you fix it and you move on from there. Um, so I think being organic with it, not being... Uh, not trying to be so prescriptive with it because then right. it then it becomes another thing to do rather than this is just what we do. Yeah. Uh, and so hopefully that would be my best advice. If you once you've got your plan in your mind, once you know what you're thinking and know how you want it to look in your head, then you need to start saying, okay, how do I support my teachers? How do I make sure that they know that they they have that freedom to to step out on that limb? If the limb breaks, what are we going to do then? and just be organic with it and really make sure it fits with what they're doing and then the teachers are going to buy in a lot more. I think that's wonderful advice right yeah, there. Is, it is. Just let it happen. Let it happen. It's okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you very thank much. Thank you.